0: So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, I'm going to invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 4. Uh, Galatians chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. I'm also going to read a little bit out of Luke chapter 15, uh, talking about the prodigal. I want to talk to you this weekend about this subject of receiving grace. I want to talk to you about this subject of is receiving grace, understanding what, what God has given to us, understanding the grace that we have been that we have received. And so Galatians chapter 4 is where we're going to be, and we're just going to go verse by verse. But before we get there, I just want to read a few verses with a little bit of a commentary in Luke chapter 15. Because Luke chapter 15 is a story of the prodigal son. And actually there were two brothers in the home. There were two brothers in the home. And, and if, you, if you're familiar with the parable, uh, the father represented God. The sons uh, represented children of God. And so there were two brothers in the home. And I think the saddest brother in the home was the angry brother. Uh, the angry brother had, had received everything, but he didn't know the grace that he was res- received. Now, like a lot of Christians that really don't understand the grace that they have received, what Christ has done for them, and as a result of that, they don't, they don't cut each other slack. They don't show grace to each other. In other words, if they're not careful, they can become very critical and very judgmental. And you see this in the, in the, in the older brother's uh, life. So Luke chapter 15, verse 25, here's what the Scripture says. Now his older son was in a field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come home. In other words, he should celebrate that. Uh, Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. In other words, he was lost, and now he's found. He's back home. And so the older brother should be excited about that. In verse 28, But he was angry. And he refused to go in. Listen, I'm telling you, if you don't understand the grace that has been given to you, it's hard to extend grace to others. It's hard to live a grace-filled life. And so he became angry, refused to go in. His father came out. I mean, his father pursued him and entreated him or begged him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. And I have never disobeyed your commands in other words for me I've kept the rules and the regulations I've checked the boxes hoping that it would give me more favor before you hoping you would understand I'm the favorite hoping that you would love me more than you love the younger brother the prodigal and yet you never gave me a goat that I might celebrate with my friends verse 30 but when the son of yours in other words this but when the son of yours in other words he's not my brother in other words, I'm not in relationship with him because I've I, I, I judged him. I mean, I, I mean, he may be your son, but he is not my brother. And when the son of yours comes or came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for, for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me. And all that is mine is yours. In other words, haven't you received my grace? Don't you understand what is offered to you? Don't you understand this is this is a love relationship? Don't you understand this is about rules and regulations and checking blocks? This isn't something that is sterile. Don't you understand? Listen, I'm telling you, when you understand the grace that you are received, it changes everything. It changes the way in which you handle relationships, it changes the way in which you love others, it changes the way in which you talk to others. And he said, he goes on and he says, It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and now is alive he was lost and now he's found in other words this issue of receiving grace is something that changes you from the inside out this isn't behavior modification this isn't some sterile rules and regulations this is an this is a relationship so this morning i, I, I want to give you three things that are present three things that are present in any healthy relationship Now, three things that are present in a healthy relationship with God and three things that are present in a healthy relationship with each other. Three things that are healthy in a healthy marriage, in a healthy friendship in healthy church relationships and in 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 a relationship to god and so paul is writing in 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 galatians chapter 4 he's writing the book of galatians he's talking about this issue issue about people coming to faith in christ receiving the grace and understanding what that means so galatians chapter 4 is where we're going to walk through and i'm going to give you these three principles the first principle is this in a healthy relationship in a healthy relationship there is intimacy In a healthy relationship, in any healthy relationships, whether it's our relationship with God, whether it's relationships to others, in any healthy relationships, there is intimacy. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 8, here's what the scripture says. He says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those by nature are not God's. And so the context of Galatians is this is that is that there were Gentiles coming to faith in Christ. Now, Gentiles had no religious background. They weren't Jews. They, they hadn't been raised in church. They didn't understand celebrations. They didn't understand the rituals. And so they, they, had, like, they had like no church background, no church history. And so they're coming to faith in Christ. And what Paul said, you followed the ways of the world and you, you worship maybe, maybe some pagan gods. But, but, but you've got to understand that you have received grace. And so Paul is trying to help them understand God has set you free from following the ways of the world and God has felt set you free from fo- for following and worshiping pagan gods. And then verse 9 he goes on and he says, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, How can you turn back again to the weak and the worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? In other words, he's like, you guys are drifting. You're forgetting the grace that you have received. And why are you you drifting back into the way you were? Why are you drifting back into the ways that once slaved you once before? In verse 10, you observe days and months and seasons and years. In other words, what are you doing? You were Gentiles. And these Judaizers... See, here's the problem in the book of Galatians. Judaizers were, were Jews that had become Christians, and so they're telling these Gentiles that you need to follow Jewish traditions. You need to follow Jewish rules and regulations and rituals. And so Paul's like, no, there's intimacy in Christ. There's this relationship in Christ. What, what are you doing? Don't you understand the grace that, that you've received? That in Christ you're totally and completely forgiven? You're perfect. You're deeply loved. You lack nothing have you not forgotten that it'd be like paul telling us an hour day that, that that you go to church and you, you just go through the motions you go to church and you sing some songs and and you listen to a sermon you, you you may read some scripture and by going through the motions you think that you're earning favor with god god already loves you i mean the scripture says is by grace you have been saved Not by work so that any man can boast. See, religion is this. Religion is trying to check off enough boxes so that you are in favor with God. That's all religion is. And Paul's saying this is a relationship and there's intimacy in relationship. Christianity is this intimate relationship with God that changes us. It's not behavior modification. It changes us from the inside out, which changes everything. And Paul is trying to help them understand Christianity is different from every other world religion. But this statement that Paul makes in Galatians 4.9, I tell you, I mean, has totally like, Rock my world when you just understand this it's amazing sometimes in scripture how you can read the same scripture over and over and over and then that one day you read it and you catch the depth or, or god highlights something for you just for you to understand or maybe for us to understand but galatians 4 9 and i'm just going to read, read like the the first part uh 4 9 a is what it would be called but maybe what it would be called but maybe just the first phrase and so here's what here's what the scripture says he says in verse 9 But now that you have come to know God or rather to be known by God. Now listen, when I study, I still study with an old school Bible with a leather bound Bible and pages because I, I like to write. I like to take notes. I like to take notes in my margin. When I came across that verse, I simply wrote in the margin of my Bible. It is one thing to know God. It's a totally another thing to be known by God. That's what Paul's trying to get them to understand. It's one listen, it is one thing to know God. It's one thing to know a lot about God. It's one thing to know about a lot of facts and figures and stats or things about God, but it is a totally different thing to be known by God. Do you realize when you accept Christ, when you receive grace that you are known by him? He knows you. He knows your name. He knows your season. He knows your situations. He knows what you're walking through. God knows you. I don't, I don't know if you're like me, but there's some famous people that I think it'd be awesome if they like knew me and I knew them, right? I mean, I mean, don't you have some people with sports stars, whether it's celebrities, whether it's politicians, whether it's some heroes of yours that you think, man, it'd be so cool if I actually knew them and they knew me. I mean, it'd be unbelievable if, like, they had my cell and I had their cell and we could talk. I mean, I know about them, but they don't know me. I think it'd be awesome if they knew me. Uh, this illustration is going to make Karen and I sound like rednecks that we probably really are. But Karen and I met in 19, 1982. We met in church, uh, and <laughs> and so our first five dates, our first five dates were to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Yeah, and and the reason our first five dates were to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo is because Karen had free tickets, and, uh, and so it's just like natural, and so uh, we just went. And so for five straight days, we're going to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, and this isn't just any rodeo. I mean, this is this is a big deal. Uh, they'd pack out the Astrodome. We had, a, we had the Livestock Show earlier, and then you could see exhibits and all this other stuff, and every night, and I mean, they're bringing in George Strait, Garth Brooks, You know all of the stars and uh, singers and everything, so it's a big deal. And so, uh, and so, you know, well, maybe you don't know, but if you, you you know, how when you first start dating, and your whole goal in life is to impress them, right? So we're still in that stage where we're like, hey, I just really want to impress her because, after all, she's the one coughing up the tickets, not me. And so. uh, so I, I need to come up with something. And so uh, so we're, we're at the rodeo, it's day, day two, and they announced that Earl Campbell is gonna be there the next day, signing autographs at the livestock show. And so um, you, Earl Campbell is Hall of Fame running back. Uh, Earl Campbell and I lived in the same city, Tyler, Texas. He went to John Tyler High School. I went to Robert E. Lee High School. He's a little bit older than me. He took John Tyler to state. Um, uh, every year. I mean, it's amazing. And so, and then he went on to the University of Texas, won the Heisman uh, at the Lo- at University of Texas Longhorns. From there, he went to the Houston Oilers, and that's who he was playing for at that time. And so I'm still in that mode that I want to impress Karen Wright. So I lean over to her. and I said, hey, let's come early tomorrow. I know Earl. I want to talk to him. She's like, you don't know Earl. I said, I know Earl. She said, you don't know, Earl. I said, let's let's come early because, you know, I'm still wanting to impress her. So we got there early. We got in line and we're making our way up. He's signing pictures and autographs and stuff. And I'm in line. I'm not kidding. I'm like, oh, dear Jesus. Please, please, please let Earl remember me. You know, please, Lord, don't let him have gotten hit too hard by mean Joe Green and he has no memory of me. (laughs) So... Me, this is for free. Mean Joe Green said this one time. And it was hilarious. Uh, they asked him what it was like to hit Earl Campbell. And he says, every time you hit him, you lose, you lose two IQ points. I just think that's funny. <laughs> and so, so so we we make our line all the way up. And, you know, I'm praying, Lord, please, please. And so we get there, and I say, hey, Earl. And he looked at me, and I says, John Tyler. And he looked at me, and he says, whoa. And he, like, stands up. I'm like awesome I mean thank you Jesus and so we like shook and did the man bump and the hug before it was cool and so like we did that and we sat there and we started talking and Karen's like you actually I "I know him but I know him I mean I know him and then he says well he says well here let me let me sign a personal autograph and he says to Fred (laughs) no I just (laughs) I thought that'd be funny but no he didn't do that So now that I've missed the whole point but here's the point <laughs> it was an awesome thing to be know someone and to be known by them I mean, it, was, it, was, it was awesome and we sat there and visited but here's the thing with God you are known by him and you have received his grace and guess what you don't have to go through life praying oh Lord please remember me when I die when I'm going through a tough season, when I'm going through difficult times, when I'm struggling, Lord, did you, not, did you forget about me? Do you know who I am? Listen, Paul is trying to get them to understand you know God, but here's a great thing. You are known by Him. Man, this word in the Greek is just not, just not knowledge about. It's intimate knowledge. In other words, He knows you. He knows where you are in life. He knows the season you're going through. He knows your struggles. He knows your prayers. He knows your fears. He knows your concerns. He knows what you need better than what you you know you need. I'm telling you, does it get any better than that? You're known by Him. Religion is this. I'm just trying to do enough good stuff to win favor with him so hopefully I go to heaven. When you realize you've received grace and who you are and that you're known by him, it's not behavior modification. It changes everything from the inside out and you just want to live for him and you just want to serve him because you're in this intimate relationship. Karen and I met in 1982. we married in 1983 and so it's it's a little bit over 30 years we've been we've been married and in marriage a re, a relationship in marriage does not consist of the checking off of boxes of going through rituals or going through a routine so marriage doesn't consist of checking off of boxes maybe a to-do list from time to time <laughs> It's not rituals and routine. In other words, this I I don't go home in in the evening and go through my rituals or go through my routine and say, you know, immediately when I come in, I need to say hi to her and I need to hug her and I need to 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 kiss her and I I need to take out the trash and I need to do some chores and I need to do some things for her and 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 when when her birthday comes, I, I better I better get her something. I also don't come home and say, you know what. I like married her over 30 years ago. I stood up in front of a pastor and, and a church and a bunch of people and I committed my life to her. I committed my love to her and, and, and all of those other things and so now, you know what, since I committed that, since I said that, you know what, I, I don't need to do another thing. I mean, I've already told her I love her, I've already committed my life to her. I don't have to live a life of trying to express my love to her or, or my commitment to her or anything like that because after all, I mean, I've, I've already done that. No, I serve her because I love her and because there's intimacy and because there's a relationship. And so so if, if we're honest, marriage is hard work, right? And just if we're honest, marriage marriage takes work. This is Paul's point, even with God, it takes discipline and it takes some things in your life uh this this last week and probably all of you are, are aware nancy reagan uh passed away her funeral was on friday and, and friday's my day off i take a half day off on thursday all day off on friday half a day off on saturday and then four services and that's kind of that's kind of my routine and uh and so we, we were up in Colorado Springs. We were like watching grandkids. And so the grandkids, all three, went to bed at the same time, which was awesome because uh, I just needed a break. And, <laughs> and so I decided to stream Nancy Reagan's funeral. And so I only caught some of it. I heard the eulogies. And one by one, people got up and talked about Nancy and... Ronald Reagan's relationship and their love for one another, intimacy, and story after story that it was just so evident. And then Patty Davis gets up, which Patty Davis is, was Nancy and Ron, Ron Reagan's, Ronald Reagan's, Ronnie Reagan. Uh, Nancy would refer to him as Ronnie. Uh, their daughter got up, who had a contentious relationship with her mom and a contentious relationship with her parents. So she gets up and she says, you know, as you all know, I had a difficult relationship with my mom. I had a difficult relationship with my dad. But, he, but she says, you know, my mom and dad, they, they taught me so much about relationships. And she says, my mom and dad had this special love for one another and it was almost like, it was almost like they were each a half circle. And when they came together, they completed one another. And in that, and in that, there was peace, there was love, there was intimacy, there was passion, there was fun, there was laughter, there was spontaneity. And to where, when my mom and dad were apart, it was like something was missing. And they couldn't wait to be back together. Because when they were together, they were like one. And she said, my parents, my parents worked hard at that. She said, I I never will forget, We, we took a... We took a family vacation and we're, 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 we're at a beach house and I'm sitting on the deck of the beach house and I'm looking at the ocean and I'm looking at the beach and there's my mom and dad and they're down there and they're sitting in the sand and she says it was like both of their heads were, were like turned towards one another. They didn't even know an ocean was there and they're laughing and they're talking and they're, and it, was just, it was just, it was just, it was just such a, it was just such a picture of the relationship that they had and, and they had to work hard at it. Because my dad had a busy schedule being a governor and a and a president, but they, they never lost each other and they never lost that relationship in the busyness of their life. And she says, here's the amazing thing that when my dad took his last breath, we were all in the, we were all in the room. And all of a sudden, my dad, through the fog of his illness, opened his eyes wide open, looked into the eyes of my mom, as if to get one last glance before he took his last breath. And she said, As a child, I, I, I'll just never, and as an adult, I'll never get over the relationship that they have. I'm telling you, in any relationship, there's intimacy in any relationship there's intimacy with the father and there's 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 intimacy with 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 one another and, and if we don't work at it our default what paul says our default is to go back to rules and regulations because where there is no intimacy it becomes rules and and, and regulations and, and and there's some people that will say you know what man i prayed a prayer i accepted christ i walked to Nile, i was baptized i did some religious things and as a result of that i don't As a result of that, I get heaven. I don't have to do another thing. And Paul would say, who has bewitched you? Who has told you that? Because, man, we're held captive by Christ. And when we understand, when we understand, we are known by Him. All the junk and the stuff in our life, That we're not only known by Him, but we're in a relationship with Him. And that's why we're living for our heavenly home. And that's why Scripture says we don't lay up treasures for ourselves in this earth, but in heaven. So in in, in relationships, there's intimacy. But the second thing is this, in relationships, there's truth. In relationship, there's not only intimacy, but in relationships, there's truth. Uh, Paul goes on in Galatians chapter four, verse twelve. He said, "Brothers, I entreat you, because as I am, for for I also have been as you are. You did me no wrong." So Paul begins telling them that, guys, I can relate to you. I mean, I was I I, I was a Jew, and and I was I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, and I followed the rituals, I fo- follow the re- regulations. And guess what? Religion left me empty. Religion always left me feeling like I got to do one more thing to try to earn favor with God and hopefully he's going to remember me. And so he says, but I, I left all of those things for an intimate relationship with God. Verse 13, he says, you know it because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. So he's, he's talking about he has this issue, he had this illness, and, and, and they overlooked that, and they didn't make fun of him because they're in relationships. And then verse 15, what then has become of the blessing you felt? In other words, you know what he's asking? What happened? Man, what happened to you? What happened to that blessing of receiving God's grace? What happened to that when you realized that God loved you and God knows you and God forgives you and you have this relationship with you with him? why are you drifting back into an old way of living and rules and and so he goes on and he he, he says um, what is what is then has become of the blessing you felt for I testify To you that, if possible, you would have gouged your out your eyes and given them to me. In other words, we're in this relationship. You cared for me. Verse sixteen, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? And he starts asking them questions. Man, in relationships there has to be truth. In relationships, truth has to be spoken. And truth has to be spoken with love. Not, I got you, I got you again, but I'm here to help you. I mean, speaking truth in love is critical. This is the point that Paul's trying to make in any healthy relationship. There has to be truth. But there has to be truth in love. There has to be truth in not such a way that I'm always catching you when you do something wrong. But we're speaking truth in love together. See, this is the part. If we're honest, in relationships, isn't this the hard part of relationships? Learning how to speak the truth, learning how to speak the truth in love, learning how to receive the truth. Because see, here's what's happening in this. Paul is is speaking, he's speaking the truth, and he's speaking the truth in love. And all of a sudden, the Galatians, what's happening is they're, 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 they're responding to that, and they're responding to that into a negative way. See, the Judaizers are coming in, and they're putting pressure on them. And they're saying you've got to follow the Jewish laws and the Jewish customs and the Jewish rituals. And so this is huge because they're they're putting so much pressure on them that it's hurting them. And what Paul's saying is Paul's lost some friends because he became a believer. I mean, some are saying Paul joined a cult and all other things. Verse 29. But just as at that time he was born according to the flesh, speaking of Christ, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit so also it is now in other words paul begins talking about this issue of persecution we've talked about persecution right we've gone through the five stages of persecution here that there's physical persecution there's emotional persecution and and when you start looking at this listen let me just stop let me just tell you when i came into the church in in my 20s the greatest shock of coming into church is some of the horrible, judgmental, mean, hateful things Christians say about Christians. I was shocked. I was shocked. I, I'm like, why is that? And why is that? And we've been life journaling together, right? And we've been going through the book of Numbers and we, we've been seeing how they respond to Moses. And you can look at Deuteronomy. You, the, fact, the fact is, here's just a, here's just a biblical principle that the Old Testament prophets were persecuted and they were persecuted by the, by the people of God Jesus was persecuted by who? the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, Paul was persecuted by who? the, the Judaizers the, the religious people of, of his day man, the history of God's people sometimes it's not easy, right? Paul knows if they put this into practice, Paul is saying some are going to be persecuted. In other words, what scripture says is we need grace and we need to receive grace and we need God's help if we're going to live this out. I mean, if, if you're going to be the if you're going to be the type of person that's going to take scripture and you're going to read it and you're going to value it and you're going to obey it and you're going to live by it, and this word is going to become the authority authority in your life not everybody's going to like them what scripture says is this scripture says that if you desire to live a godly life you'll be persecuted and unfortunately sometimes by Christians that when you speak the truth in love when you make a decision they're going to blog about you they're going to Facebook about you they're gonna send out tweets about you. They're gonna email about you. They're gonna talk about you. See, here's Paul's here's Paul's frustration. Here's what Paul says. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? This is why a lot of relationships in, in marriage move from intimacy. To rules and rituals and regulations, to where it's like it's like you're no longer husband and wife, but it's like you're it's like your roommates. Because of this issue of truth, and someone speaks the truth and love, and it's all of a sudden you're you're enemies. And Paul says, as believers, you have to make a decision: do you do you, you don't be obedient? Or do you want to be popular? Do you want to be popular or do you want to be faithful? In any relationship, there, there has to be truth. There has to be intimacy. There has to be truth. There has to be those times that we say the hard things. The, the Judaizers. The Judaizers were, were leading them astray. In fact fact, that's the third and the last principle. In a, in a healthy relationship, there's not only intimacy, there's not only truth, but there's, but there's purpose. In other words, in healthy relationships, there's purpose. There's a purpose for living. There's a a purpose for being together. Uh, Verse 17, he said, they, he's talking about Judaizers, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. And so what Paul is saying is, is you've got to understand that you have a purpose and that if you're, if you're following Christ, that, that, that Christ has changed you from the inside out and now you live in healthy relationships. You live in healthy relationship with Him. You live in healthy relationships with others as a result of that. In verse 19, he says, My little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until, watch this, so here's our purpose, until Christ is formed in you. That's the purpose. That's the purpose of receiving grace. That Christ transforms you. That Christ is formed in you. That you are conformed. What Romans says, that you you are conformed to the image of Christ to where it's not behavior modification, to where you're changed from the inside out. And as you grow in Christ, your life becomes and looks more and more like Him. Verse 20, and he he says, for me, watch this, It's just huge. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In other words, this is my purpose. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I have received grace, and I understand what that means. That it is I know who who I no longer who live, but Christ who lives in me. I've received that, and I live for Him, and in that there's intimacy, and in that there's truth, and in that there is purpose. And what Paul is saying is freedom comes when Christ captivates your heart. To where all of a sudden you fall in love with His Word, and you're reading it, and you're living your life out according to His Word, and you're being made into the image of Christ. To where you conform to the image of Christ. And Paul is saying to them, I I not only want you to receive grace, but I want you to understand what that means. To where you look more and more like Christ. I mean, Paul says, and we could say that we live in this faith community. And I want you to receive Christ. And I know, I want you to know what that means. I want to model. I want to model Christ for you. I mean, what if we said that to one another? What if we could make that statement? You know what? I just want to model Christ for you. I I want I want you to grow and I want you to mature. That's why we have life groups. That's why we serve together. That's why we do ministry together. That's why we know one another. Is because we can speak the truth in love and we can talk with one another. We can encourage one another. We can pray for one another. We can support one another. That I want you to be conformed to the image of Christ. I mean, Paul would say, we would say that's a New Testament community. We're not a bunch of anonymous worshipers who gather together every weekend, but we're the the people of God that have received grace. And in that, there's intimacy. In that, there's truth. And in that, there is purpose to where we know Him and we have a relationship with Him. Maybe you're like one that He's writing to See, their problem was this. Is they had accepted Christ, they had received grace, and for whatever reason they had fallen out of love with Him. And maybe you're wondering, you know what, how, how, do, I, how do I get that loving kind of feeling back? How do I get that loving kind of feeling back for God? Or maybe in a relationship. In chapter 2, verse 5, Jesus gives the formula for that. And there was a church who was doing all the right things. They were, they were going through the motions. They're doing all the right things. They're checking the boxes off. They're doing the right things. And then Jesus says, but the one thing I have against you is you've, you have fallen out of love with me. And so he writes these words and he says, verse 5, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, remember what it was like when you first met him when you first received that grace and you were forgiven and had the promise of eternal life and you fell in love with His Word and serving Him and following Him. He said, remember how far you've fallen. Remember how far you've fallen in relationships. Remember what it was like when you first met. Remember what it was like when you dated. Remember what it was like. And then he says, repent. Just repent. And then, start doing the things you did it first just start pressing into him and doing the things that you did at first when you first met him would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes let me ask you with your heads bowed and eyes closed what is what is God saying to you what is God saying to you as a result of his word what is he saying to you as a result of his message Have you received His grace? Have you come to the place in your life where you've accepted Him and asked Him to come into your life for the forgiveness of your sins? If not, this would be the morning. This would be the time to do that. To where you say, to the very best of your ability, God, I just receive Your grace. I just need You. I understand that my sin has separated me from You. I'm asking You to forgive me of my sins, to give me the newness of eternal life and to the very best of my ability, I'm going to press into You. I'm going to follow You. I want to be conformed into the image of Christ. Maybe you're a believer. And maybe you've drifted, like in the book of Galatians. And maybe you just maybe you just remember, need to remember how far you've fallen. Maybe you just need to repent. Maybe you just need to tell him, I'm going to start doing the things that I did with at first. And I'm going to fall back in love with you where there's intimacy, where there's truth, and where there is purpose. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what, I, I just need prayer. I need someone to pray for me. I just need somebody with flesh on just to speak into my life, just to add their faith to my faith. Well, we want to pray for you. If you're, if you're carrying a burden, if you have a prayer request, if you have a need, we, we want to pray for you. We want to minister to you this morning. So if you need prayer in any area of your life, in just a few minutes we're going to stand. And when we stand, that if you need prayer, I'm just going to ask you to respond. I'm just going to ask you to take the next step. And that as, as you stand up, would you step out, begin making your way down to the front. You don't have to walk alone. People be walking with you. We'll guide you. But if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. There's something for every one of us to do in this room. Whether it's responding by coming to the front in prayer or by just standing in a few moments and praying for those who are responding. There's something for every one of us to do. But if you need prayer, after I pray, we stand. You come. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your love. Father, I just I just thank you. But Lord, we are known. We are known by you. Father, this week, would you not let us get, get away from that thought would you just keep that thought in front of us that Lord that you you know us and you know us intimately. You know our desires, you know our dreams, you know our struggles, you know our hurts, you know our pain, you know the season that we're walking through. And Father, may we just may you just remind us over and over and over this next week that we are known. We're known by you. Father, would you pull this church very close to lead to you? Would people respond to you in prayer? And would burdens be lifted, Father? Would prayers be answered? And would people know that they found encouragement, comfort, and support in you? For we ask these things in Jesus' name.